Zach is on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just wanna use your love tonight. I don't wanna lose your love some poutine and a double double it's time for the two and out cfl podcast every week john John Fraser. fraser to me if this isn't rock bottom for the bombers i don't know what is and travis cura who would win between the world's fastest cow the cfl rabbit or brandon banks we'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the canadian football league and nonsense bad pizza is better than good salad right it's true <laughs> it, it, it really is just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world can't forget the nonsense ready set welcome to episode 43 of the tune out cfl podcast with fraser and Kura. now fraser i gotta ask you man how many pokemon have you caught um, none, because I'm lazy and I'm fat and it involves walking. Dude, I have caught like six of them and I haven't moved. See, see, I've been like, okay, I thought about, I thought about playing it and then I thought to myself, I went to the app store and it's not officially out in Canada. So I'm like, you know what's going to happen? And this is, this is probably going to happen to you. They're going to officially release it in Canada. You're going to have to re-sign in. You're going to lose all your Pokemans and be like, oh my God, I'm so sad. I lost all my Pokemans. And I'm going to be like, well, okay, maybe now I'll start when everybody else is sad and depressed and not playing and I'll be running around in a field in the middle of the night or I'll be stopping on my way to work at four in the morning, which I'm sure will only get me arrested twice. I should go see which ones are at uh, Tim Hortons after the show. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Pokemon Go. Uh, when did they first come out to North America? What, 1996? Uh, oh, something like that. I remember I had the I had one of the originals for my Game Boy. Okay. Way, way back when. And that was like the only one I really played. I want to say like 96 or 97. I had it for my original Game Boy. I played it. I don't even think I finished it. And I just, that was it. That was it for me. So I haven't been a big Pokemon guy. I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. Maybe that's why. But Well, they, I remember uh, they came out when, I don't know, I must have been in the fourth or fifth grade or something like that. And everybody at school had the trading cards. And I never owned anything Pokemon until now. <laughs> oh, wow. I've never had the cards. I never had the Game Boy games. I never had the any games. But this game, I'm like... Let's give this a shot. And it actually makes me want to get outside and walk around and find these little bastards and <laughs> build my collection. I am, I haven't, because I've, I, I downloaded it actually uh, about 10 minutes before my radio show. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you were sounded great on air today. So I'm walking around the building looking for these little buggers, and I got like six of them now. So that's impressive. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep you updated on uh, what le- I'm, I'm level three now. I'll keep you updated on uh, where I am uh, next can week. We, can we start a fantasy Pokemon league? <laughs> we should. We should. Uh, a lot of fantasy to talk about uh, on the show. Getting waxed with Brazilian Tide coming up very soon before the news. And uh, we actually have a guest that will be joining us this week as well. 
it's been a while since we actually bribed somebody to come on. Because Nobody likes us is... anymore. <laughs> no, no. But we can tell you that we actually have guests for the next two weeks, so we must be doing something right again. That or the fine people at Bomb Energy Drink have upped our interview budget. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't do the numbers. I just send text messages when Kura yells at me and tells me to. We will be joined by Murray McCormick, longtime beat writer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, one of my favorite guys to talk to. I mean, I've known Murray for the past three four years it's his first time on the podcast uh he's got a great sense of humor great rider insight and you know what if you're a saskatchewan rough rider fan you're really going to want to stick around and listen to what murray has to say yeah so we'll talk to him very soon uh the news brought to you by bomb energy drink is on the way first uh, getting waxed with brazilian tie hey it's brazilian tie back for yet another edition of getting waxed here on the two and out cfl podcast what a week of football we had in week three Two pre-decent games on Thursday night followed up by one of the best Friday night football doubleheaders I can remember with both games going overtime. And that's where we're going to go this week. Back to Commonwealth Stadium on Friday night. Forget about the game on the field. The return of Chris Jones Edmonton on visitor's sideline and a hotly contested single overtime win by the Eskimos is not my focal point at the end of the night. But in the night, I was somewhat embarrassed by my fellow Ryder fans, and now I understand why almost every other fan base around the league hates us. And believe me, it's not because of the Ryder's performance on the field. That being said, I'm going to start with one Eskimos fan I saw walking down the stairs in the upper deck. I called him out on Twitter, although I don't know his name. But on his jersey choice, which was an absolute travesty, he was wearing an Edmonton Eskimos jersey with McDavid 97 on the back. Now I'm another fan through and through, but that just irked me considering it's a football jersey and you're at a CFL game. It's just plain idiotic. And back to my fellow Ryder fans. Early in the game, someone in our section was yelling at Mike Riley prior to every snap, Hey MVP, take a knee. At first, I wasn't a fan of it, but to be honest, it grew on me, and by the end of the night, both Travis and I were laughing. My main issue was with the one writer fan sitting behind us. She just would not stop. I'm all for making noise at a football game, don't get me wrong, but if you're going to make noise and beat the opposition, you need to be able to do it with some intelligence or understanding of the game. It all started on the first snap that Edmonton took and went right through the end of the game. As soon as Riley got the ball, I had to listen to, get him, get him, get him, until he threw it. Like the defensive line doesn't know what their job is. Then she turned her attention to Jason Moss. He challenged a call and she didn't seem to have an issue with it until Edmonton got called for holding. She decided that it would be a good idea to yell out, Why don't you challenge the holding, Moss? Insert my eye roll here. Smart enough CFL fan would know that's not a challengeable play. Now, when the rider scored a touchdown, she yelled out again, Moss, are you going to challenge that one too? And at that point, I decided I would try to nip this in the bud before it got really ugly. I turned around and said it's a scoring play. It's automatically reviewed. And I turned around. I thought it was done. But apparently, I was wrong. Keep in mind, we're at a CFL game in mid-July in Edmonton when she decides to pull this one out. Why don't you guys just trade Taylor Hall for nobody again? Wow, really? That's what you just said? It was then that I got upset, turned around, and put her in her place while her husband just sat there and smiled smugly. Stuff like that is said with only one intent, to piss off every Edmonton fan around you while your own team is losing on the field. It could have at least been relevant to the surroundings or maybe, you know, funny. But hey, what do I know? message here is basically be better writer fans. We're already disliked as a whole. We don't need a few people that who don't know what they're talking about giving us a bad name. I already do enough of that for the rest of us. Now back to Travis and John on the Two and Out CFL podcast. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out podcast. All right, it is the news brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at the Bomb Nation. You can shop and get their stuff uh, online as well. I saw a couple two and out uh, listeners tweeting them. Uh, where do I find you? Uh, I think they're in some Mac stores uh, in Alberta, but online that works too. Shop.drinkbomb.com. John, I gotta think that the bomb of the week has to be Zach Caleros returning to practice for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. 
that I believe is the very definition of the bomb of the week. There was no real rumors. I, I mean, I follow a lot of Tie Cats guys. I know Marshall Ferguson; he's a great follow on Twitter. Drew Edwards, Josh Smith. I, I, there's a few other. I don't know what's with me. And now our friend Jamie Thomas is also working for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, TSN Radio. There doing some pre and post game stuff. So that's like four guys I can think about the top of my head that are all Tabby's beat reporters. Not a word of it from any of these guys. That all of a sudden, kerbang! There is Zach Caleros out of nowhere. I wonder if he, like, play like, entrance music before he, like, returned to the practice field. So somebody could go, by God, by God, is that Zach Caleros' music? By God, it is. He's back from the dead. What do you think he would come out to? Like, Brock Lesnar came out to enter Sandman at UFC 200. What would Zach Caleros come out to? I feel well, like it would be, like, Electric Eye by Judas Priest or something. Something like that. Well, because Lesnar came out to Enter Sandman, which is the song that my double-A midget team used to come out to, let's go to my single-A midget team's victory tune of the Outfield's Your Love. <laughs> Listen, we won a lot of games. I, lo- I gotta love that song. So, I mean, if we're going with midget hockey references from when I was actually good at sports, let's keep it rolling and say that all you'd hear is, Zach is on a vacation far away. <laughs> Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love what Caleros would think about that, but I'm sure he'd appreciate it. You think? Let, let's let's tweet at him. Let's uh, tweet at our boy and uh, pierogi challenge contestant uh, Peter Dykowski and uh, and see um, exactly what uh, what their thoughts are. We might actually be able to get something with this. And you know, it's not like again we aren't we don't know a pile of Thai cats reporters. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, we will ask uh, Murray McCormick about this a little bit later on, but uh, coaches' challenges are up 85% from last season, according to a uh, friend of the show, Mark Fulton, which is incredible. Of course, they're allowed to challenge about 85% more plays than they were yeah. last season. So, man, uh, they're going crazy. Uh, quick note, uh, Watching the Riders and Eskimos game, there was a lot of challenging reviews going on in uh, that game. Now, from the stands, it didn't bother me. On TV, how did it come off? You know what? It never bothers me on TV. And maybe I'm the minority because I do one of two things when there's a coach's challenge. Either I either get up and refresh my beverage, grab some snacks, you know. that I sometimes use those moments if you're watching the game with friends. To Search kinda- for some Pokemon. We'll search for Pokemon, apparently, or Chim Pokemon. Um, so South Park reference for you. But I often use those coaches' challenges, unless I'm really interested in them, to just kind of, I don't know, I get up, I grab another beer, I grab some water, I, I visit with the people around me, um, or I just listen in on the analysis. I mean, you, I mean, let's face it, TSN has some of the best football analysis in the world, and it's really interesting to hear their thoughts on what's going on. To me, it, it's never really slowed down the game. The ones to me that slow down the game are when you see a coach like out of the blue challenge for like pass interference on a like a 10 yard play in the first quarter those are the ones that you're like this adds no intrigue who cares right but but when it's a key moment in the game and, and again as a guy 
who comes to the broadcasting world. The number one complaint we always hear is, well, why don't they have all this stuff already? Well, I can tell you, you're looking at between 10 and 20 cameras at any CFL game, which means in the truck, working for the CFL, not only are they now putting on the broadcast for you, but now the command center has to look through every single one of those angles, communicate back to the truck and say, hey, do you have another look at this from the sideline? You know, Can you digitally zoom in a little bit on this for us? So you've got essentially a truck that's putting out all these replays, command centers looking at all these feeds these replays looking for an angle it doesn't come instantaneously like if you go like go and i don't know how you would do it i don't know how you would do it but just imagine trying to look at 10 different things at once get them organized in a timely fashion now some people were talking about on twitter you know what about a time limit what about i i think a time if you are going to put a time limit on it get rid of the, ch- the challenge because how many times do you see that angle that they just discovered the last minute yeah. come and make a difference on video replay i think if anything, if you're against challenges, I, I don't like the fact you can challenge so much. I've never been a fan of challenging the pass interference, or now you can challenge the headshots and quarterback, which I get. They don't want to miss any of those, but it, it just seems to me I don't like the fact that they've opened up to more challenges. But, hey, I mean, it's either all or nothing these days. Um, but to me on the TV audience, I've never... I don't know. I've never really been bothered. What always bothers me, and this is more of an NFL thing, the the one that always chaps my rear end is when you see the commercials after the the convert, and then you see the kickoff. Then commercial after the kickoff. And then the commercial after the kickoff, (laughs) and then the offensive possession. And the kickoff wasn't a kickoff. It went through the end zone. Exactly. Kick, I mean, that is much more of an NFL thing. You don't see it as often in the yeah. CFL, but there's still the odd time that you're like, okay, I get it. Like, let's just let's just watch. Those are the ones that bother me more than staying around at the coaches' challenge because I think you, if you know what, it, you learn so much about the rules of the game, about the nuances of the game. If you hang around and and just take a listen during those challenges, I mean, there's. I mean, I've been around football my whole life. I call football games and I learn so much off of some of the smaller rules or how things are done just by watching those challenges and the explanations that come from the announcers. Well, and and some uh, people uh, they, they don't like the challenging aspect in baseball because they like the pure human element of the game, and I get that. And uh, Well, base, baseball's biggest problem is baseball, like at least in the CFL, if you decide to challenge, you have a preset time. As soon as the ball is snapped, basically you have the play call, clock to decide whether you're going to challenge or yeah, not. Yeah, and for that sure. To, and, th- and that to me is fine. The biggest issue I find with baseball is you always see it, you know, pitcher steps off the mound, the manager kind of <laughs> walks out, you know, and, while the bench coach is on the phone with somebody upstairs going... Okay, have you seen the replay yet? Have you seen the replay yet? Have you seen the replay yet? Oh, you have? Should we challenge it? Should we challenge it? Should we challenge it? No? Okay. And then the manager comes back down the stairs, walking like he's got gout, you know. Picture all of a sudden doesn't have that booger anymore. and that see, At least with the CFL, it's like, okay, boom, hey, here's a very small amount of time. you got to figure it out. Yeah, it's just, uh, do you want the call right, or do you want the game to be fast? Sometimes you can't have both. And I said this on Twitter. I said this on Twitter. There's nothing that annoys me more than sports talk, and I mean, we've done it here. You see it done everywhere. There's nothing more annoying than a blown call costing somebody a game in anything, and then you just hear about it the whole week. Yeah, and hopefully this takes that away. 
And this is taking that away because I would rather have to go up and have some extra time to go grab another beer than have to listen to, to somebody go on and on and on about, well, this pass interference mess is going to change the whole game. Robble, 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 robble. Get the pitchforks. Declare shenanigans. Like, it just – I – it. There's nothing more annoying, and maybe it's because I'm an, I'm an ex-official, because after that moment, there's nothing you can do, no matter how badly you screwed up the call, there's nothing you can do. Unless you own a DeLorean, you can go back in time and fix it. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. I'd rather see the challenge. I'd rather see the extra 10 minutes, to, or not 10 minutes, or extra five minutes at most taken than have to l- turn on sports talk radio like I so often do, and Twitter, and robble, 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 robble. A couple uh, riders' uh, transactions uh, following uh, their game against Edmonton. I, When I was in the stands, uh, when Moniz had another uh, blunder, I said, ah, that's it. He, he's getting... Uh, He's getting cut. Uh, well, he did. He got released. Uh, they traded a nagless player to Hamilton uh, in return for quarterback Jake Waters. Uh, and they also traded an eighth-round pick and a nagless player to Edmonton for uh, defensive lineman Cedric McKinley and a nagless player from Edmonton. We do talk about uh, stashing defensive linemen and quarterbacks with Murray McCormick a little bit later on. Uh, and one more quick news note. Uh, Canada's uh, junior national team defeated the United States 24-6 to in the gold Booyah. medal game at the 2016 IFAF Under-19 World Championship in China on Sunday. I guess this tournament's happened four times every time. It's Canada versus the, the U.S. in the final, and there are two wins and two losses apiece. And it's not surprising the two countries that care most about uh, American football. Did you know, Travis, <laughs> you're um, a Saskatchewan guy, and I'm a Saskatchewan import. There was ten kids from Saskatchewan on that team. That's awesome. Including a handful of like of, of guys I know from the Saskatoon Hilltops. Uh, I, I'm sure, I think I'm missing a guy, but I want to say congratulations to Riley Pickett and Adam Mackhart, as well as a handful of U of S Huskies uh, that were also on that squad. So big congratulations from me to them. And if you're the Hilltops guy, I was possibly forgetting about, feel free to give me a hard time about it for the rest of the year whenever you see me at practice, because I know that's probably going to happen. All right, that does it for the news. Let's welcome uh, Murray McCormick from the Regina Leader Post of the show. And with panic setting in in Ryderville at 0-2 and nobody seemingly able to get six inches, we tracked down a man who can always get you at least six inches. Murray McCormick, the Regina <laughs> Leader Post. Uh, Murray, what's the atmosphere been like around Regina? Everybody I've spoken to here in Saskatoon has been mostly positive about the 0-2 start, looking at things like Durant and Ricky Collins and Eamon Roosevelt. What's your take on the situation? Well, first, John, I'm always willing to go the extra yard for you, so don't worry <laughs> about that. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> but, I, it's just funny. I was I was talking to some other people, and let's imagine just last year if Corey Chamberlain was in this position, which he was last year. Yeah, you know, yeah. Two losses to start off the season. He lost his quarterback. He would have been just vilified for what had happened in Edmonton. That yep. passive that passive defense, and then the so-called aggressive call on that shortened one. It would have been just dumb coaching and mistakes and everything. But Chris Jones is getting a bit of a buy, another bye week, I guess you could call it. But People are saying, yeah, the defense is playing better, Durant's playing better. There's just a whole different feel that despite the riders are losing and, you know, how they're losing, they are getting better. So there's 
a little different, more attitude, more patience than there, there was last year with Corey Chain. Patience was gone with Corey Chain back before the preseason was over. People had had enough of him and just sort of everything went on for there. But it just seems to be more time. Chris Jones seems to know what he's doing. People understand. I'm hoping that this is a long-term project. It's not a short-term fix to get him to a great cup game that's in Regina this year. This is one building and maybe getting something. And I know Chris, Craig Reynolds is uses building sustained success. But if you're going to have that, you're going to have some growing pains. And maybe that's what's going on right now are some growing pains. Murray, I look at the roster and I see approximately 72 defensive linemen and 18 quarterbacks. <laughs> um, is this is Chris Jones about to roll out some sort of strategy that uh, there's five laterals before every pass and every player on the field's a D lineman? I think that's what he's trying to do. It's kind of funny. We always thought their biggest issue was the, was the secondary. They'd be trotting out 50 million defensive backs, and it's been defensive linemen. And I think that's weird. And I kind of agree with that. I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on there, but he, he seems to have targeted that's a spot that can have an impact on defense, and he's letting the – and it seems to be working kind of or whatnot. But, yeah, you, there are a lot of defensive linemen, and I kind of almost as many defensive linemen as there are coaches on this team, and there's a lot of coaches on the riders. Anybody ever comes to a practice, they can – you can't even count them all how many guys are just – hanging around coaching so chris jones likes having a big party i guess but it's kind of weird anyway <laughs> murray mccormick of the regina leader post joining us now on the two and out cfl podcast murray uh i'm gonna put you and you and i have always joked while sitting on the sidelines at rider training camp that we don't belong on the sidelines but i'm gonna put you in the coach's headset with the with the shirt buttoned all the way up to the neck with the long sleeves on a hot july night and i'm gonna ask you does Murray McCormick go for it on third and half a yard in overtime? Oh, <laughs> uh, you bugger. <laughs> Murray McCormick doesn't. Murray McCormick puts the ball in the foot of Tyler Crepagna for the sure tie and give you another chance to battle on. Because the game wasn't lo- the game was lost by that. He could have given him a chance to win it with another one. So, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I, I like the aggressive call. How's this for waffling? I think that's a good... I like that aggressive call. I think it shows... Signs, but I kind of looked at it as I'm going to go a little bit of waffling and a little bit of sides. J.C. Sherrod made a heck of a play coming over top. Unbelievable. And you know something, that, the line didn't get the push, but J.C. Sherrod came over the top and made a great play on Darian Durant. So in a way, you know, you got to give Sherrod credit. There's a great player making a great play to win a game for you. And that's maybe being a little overlooked, but I still think Tyler Crepania, the guy's made nine of ten field goals for them. Since he's gotten here, pretty good at doing that. So I wonder if that shows a little bit of lack of confidence in him and whatnot. But I would have taken the field goal and battled for it. And really something, overtime's not that incredibly strenuous. There's no kickoffs. There's no you know, field goals. There's, field, there's not a lot of running up and down the field other than that sort of shirt. So sometimes they're worried about getting tired. So I, I would have gone for the field goal. So just turn it back on you. Mr. going to gamble and make me look bad. What would what yep. you have done? I would have went for it. I would have went for it all day because I, I think I think it was you that asked Chris uh, after, or one of the reporters asked Chris after the game about getting that yard and what his thought process was. If you can't get six inches basically in the CFL, let's face it, this was not third a yard and a half. This was third and basically a yard. Um or le- much less than a yard. If you can't lean forward and get that, I really think you need to reevaluate what you're doing. The- I think the Riders, though, made two mistakes late in the game. One, 
that short yardage team, I don't know if it was because of the benching of Moniz or what it was. It just seemed to me like the short yardage team wasn't changing anything up. It was they knew it was going to the middle, to Durant, with a lean forward. There was no fullback back there, no possibility of anything else happening. So Sherritt was able to make his great defensive play knowing, you know what, nothing's nothing but Durant leaning forward is going to happen. The other mistake, and you alluded to it as well, Murray, um, was I thought it almost seemed to me like Chris Jones made a mental error at the end of that game. Once the team goes up by three, Jones was playing like Edmonton needed a touchdown to tie or win the game with all his defensive backs so far back and only three down linemen. It almost seems to me like that was a mental error on the coach for not calling a traditional defense, almost not realizing that they needed a field goal to tie with one of the best kickers in the league. So that uh, that's my take on it. And generally, I'm wrong. So, you know, I, I'm going to go with your wisdom. I, I find I, I call it passive aggressive. I was on Twitter the next day wondering, you're calling things passive and aggressive, and that defensive. I just didn't understand, and I, I hope people understand. When you're a reporter, when you get late in games, I'm going to tell you a little secret. We don't get much time to actually watch the end of games because we're busy no. writing, so we can get our stuff up <laughs> posted. So it's a little thing you kind of watch. You're writing with one eye, and you're watching with the other. So it's a little. I, but I want to go, well, how did they get, they made that nice one play, a 14-yard pass. So, yeah, that's a good, smart play. And then I noticed again, like, he ran, rushed three men more time than I could count on uh, yeah. Friday night. In the first game, I, I saw enough three-man rushes that I just noted it. Yeah. Because when I keep in my notes, I kind of put things in uppercase and whatnot because I want to remind myself the next day what I see. And I had three-man rush written probably 10 or 12 times. I'm going, I don't <laughs> understand What's his three-man rush with? With its Capricotti and it was Capricotti and it was uh, Irvin and it was another. And they're also, you know, so I didn't quite understand. And I kind and I kind of thought about it the next day that they didn't have Jonathan Williams in there, who was a big, big defensive tackle, who was a pretty big contributor early already. And yep. I, they just seemed undersized at defensive tackle, and maybe he thought that was his way to uh, compensate for that. So maybe that was part of the issue, but. He was rushing three men a lot of that game, and I didn't quite understand that. I, I still don't understand how you can be an aggressive call for third and inches, but then p- drop back so far you're almost in uh, the end zone when you're down by three against one of those. And I think it was BC, a guy hit a 51-yard field goal for the last year against the yep. Riders to send it into overtime or to win it, something like that, on a, on a string. And then Corey kind of missed up on a short yardage call coming back. I'm thinking about that, so... It can happen, but it, yeah, that's I, I don't understand that. And then he doesn't really, really like to answer those type of questions. But he try he, he comes up with them, but putting them against the wall doesn't really get much out of it. So we can always question it. But that's the good part about sports. While we're talking uh, coaching decisions, what do you make of uh, coaches being able to char- uh, challenge all those extra uh, penalties? I think one play that stuck out to me from the game uh, was one of the Adarius Bowman touchdowns. And uh, I was like, why are you challenging that? That looked like a clear-cut no interference to me. What do you think of coaches being able to challenge basically everything? I, I really kind of hate to admit it again, but I didn't even know you could challenge hits to the head of quarterbacks this year. Somehow that wasn't yeah. behind me. And he did that one, that great call there on that challenge to the quarterback yeah. against Durant against Toronto. Yeah, I, I I guess as long as the game doesn't slow down, I'm all for the officials getting the plays right. But it just kind of makes me think when I'm watching all these things, they get a lot wrong. That maybe, you know, even Jones said about that third and one gamble, he didn't have any challenge flags left in overtime. But I don't think he does get any challenge flags in overtime. But 
No. So I don't think that may, that was really what he meant to say. But, yeah, I think, you know, if they're going to get it right, go ahead. But, yeah, it just seems weird that almost every play can be challengeable now, with the exception, I don't know, maybe you don't like the halftime music or the food at halftime. Or, <laughs> and who's going to challenge the dogs? Eh? Who's going to challenge the dogs at halftime at Mosaic Stadium? I won't. I will challenge, though. I've been there for Labor Day or two, Murray, where the beers start getting a little warm. I'd love to toss a challenge flag and be like, listen, you need these Molsons and these pills to be a lot more on the ice-cold side rather than on the lukewarm. That's when you maybe go to the I was there. drink. <laughs> I've never been drinking, but I don't think you let your beer get warm. I don't think there's any issue with that. <laughs> no, I, and that's it. Like it's not. It's being served to me warm. Maybe it's because I was wearing opposing team colors a couple of times. That probably had something to do with it. But I'm past I don't that think stage. That was beer they were serving. That was another golden liquid <laughs> that you may not want to drink. <laughs> you kind of know what I mean. <laughs> oh no, I know exactly what you mean. And and needless to say, maybe I'll have more luck when I go to a game at Mosaic. Now that I've ab- ab- abandoned my bomber fandom in a public forum on this podcast here. If you missed it last week, um, Murray. Moving forward, BC comes into town this Saturday night. Uh, they've looked a little hot and cold. Jonathan Jennings has been hot and cold. Lule's had to come in for him. What are you expecting to see on Saturday? Is this the game? Because to me, the Riders are essentially two blown plays on third and short away from being 2-0. and I think if they don't fumble that in the Toronto game, I think they I think they go on to win, at least tie that game. Of course, we've discussed the Saturday to move already. It seems to me like they could be 2-0. Do you think they've got it in them to beat BC and maybe go on a little mini run here? I, I think they do. I think, they, as you said, they, they, should, they could be easily 2-0 with whether things haven't gone that way. But that's also a sign of a team that's still coming together. They don't win the games they should win yet. And I think it takes, does that make, if that makes any sense. That no, it does, yep. They're, they're not quite ready to win those games, and they're still putting together those types of things they have to do, like, a three-man rush working with no time left on the clock, but that's all I yeah. think. So I, I, but I do think they're ready to take the lines. Like Jonathan Jennings is still a young quarterback, and he's still coming on. So I think he's going to start. And I, I guess Wally said there's no doubt about that. But, you know, if Travis Lilley's had some pretty good games against the Riders in his time. So maybe they're better off keeping Jennings on the field. And I think, you know, it's kind of funny. We're, we're this deep into this podcast, and we haven't mentioned Darian Durant yet. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, people are going, well, what do you think of Durant? The two questions I get asked the most about, what is, how does Durant look and how do you think he's playing? So mm-hmm. two answers to that is Durant looks fine. I think everyone's seen him play. He's seen him run the ball very well. He's, he's making better reads in that game. I like how he went to his second and third receivers. John Child seems to be almost an afterthought, but boom, when he gets open, he's, he's hitting him. So Durant's playing well. So I think with him playing well in this defense, if they get it sorted out because the Cedric McKin- McKinley guy will give him another big body inside, and yep. maybe that'll mean Jones won't have to go to the uh, that three-man rush. Because if Anthony Allen plays or even Jeremiah Johnson, those are two big backs that can really get like, up ahead of steam up against going through the line, and they're going to run into some linebackers who are a little bit undersized to take them on. Not saying that Greg Jones can take on any running back, but there's just going to be an interesting advantage if those two guys get running downhill. See, it's interesting, Murray, and maybe I haven't brought up Durant because you and I, again, um, you always give me a hard time for not watching practice at training camp, but I think oh, I no, actually... no, no, I think, no, I think never, never watching oh, practice. <laughs> okay, let's be, yes, normally you and I are sitting there BSing, catching up, we don't get to see each other that much, uh, you're giving me all your football foodie tips and we're chatting, 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 but this year, believe it or not, Murray, I turn 
turned over a new stone of professionalism, and I watched. And to me, Durant has looked... <laughs> He's looked like Darian Durant from three years ago from the time the training camp came around. I don't know if it was just – maybe it was just me from, from being at so many practices and not suffering heat stroke this year uh, that I just saw Durant and I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever, he's going to be good and he's going to make the throws and all's going to be well. I think you're bang on about that with that observation. With the, I know the big thing I noticed about your practice is you didn't have your back to the action as much. That's because I got beamed with a punt last year. I it would nearly hit me if it wasn't for uh, Joel Gasson and Jamie Nye. I'm surprised they told me, "Hey, look out!" I thought they just let me take one to the side of the lid and lay unconscious <laughs> and drooling on the Griffith Stadium track. Yeah. yeah, one hit because if you if you came to the right of practice, now the players have to wear helmets on the sidelines at every practice, and that's because. Jones is worried about someone getting conked on the head, but in, in, in a pass or something like that. So, anyway, we were talking about how you never how Durant plays well. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny. I see Durant in the locker room, and he looked he's lighter. I keep looking, going, holy yep. smokes! I wish I could lose fifteen pounds like he did. Because actually, I think I found the fifteen pounds he might have lost in the off season. <laughs> you and me, buddy. You and me. no, I lost, I found the fifteen pounds he lost in the off season and. He's he's just lighter on his feet. He's, he's he's taking stress off of his lower body, as everyone knows who who loses weight. Your but you feel better. You can move better. You can do all those type of things. He's still pretty thick, if you can believe it. If you know what I mean by his by his size. So yeah, he's he's one. I would say he's still. And I'm going to qualify this until he does something that he's still got to play a number of games without getting hurt. And yeah. I keep asking that. But even on uh, Friday night, I asked him, I, you know, can I stop asking you about your Achilles and stuff? And he. He looked at me with, he gives me that look that drank and him and I share. Of, you can't believe I'm asking that question again. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's what happens. And yeah, so I, I think he's back. I don't think there's a concern. And it's fun watching him play. And I think it's going to be fun watching this offense develop with, you know, Naman Roosevelt and John Charles and uh, Ricky Collins and Rob Bagg. And boy, there's a, such a, a pretty good, a pretty decent receiving core right now if the quarterback can get all his uh, chemistry going with them. Uh, now, as uh, we get ready for Saturday's game, BC coming to Mosaic Stadium. Of course, it is the uh, uh, farewell season. Uh, this Saturday, celebrating the 1966 Grey Cup team. Um, uh, as someone who's covered the Riders for a while, and now I know you haven't, you weren't covering them in 1966. I was nine, yeah, maybe nine or ten. But yeah. is it is it cool to be able to revisit those times this season? I was telling somebody, you know what's cool about the 66 Grey Cup guys is a lot of them still live in the city. A lot of, you can wow. go up and talk to George Reed and talk football. Them, Al Ford, Dale West. No, I'm just, I can't think of all the names, and I, I'm leaving some guys out. But they're part of this city. So you can go up to a guy who won the Grey Cup in 66 and chat with about football at Safeway. You'll see them at the golf course. You'll see them around. So it's really cool that so many of them have stayed in this town and have become such a big part of the community that – that that's the part I find neat. Like, really, you, you think about it, like George Reed is a legend. Yeah. I think that's, and he's one of the nicest guys you ever want to meet. And he's going to sit and talk, and he'll swear and he'll say, you know, the things to me like, you know, what am I writing about this and what's going on stuff? And I'll say about these guys in training camp, just like a a regular old grump like me fits in very well, <laughs> except he's. you know, at Al Ford, I'll see Al Ford at the liquor store. I'll go to. A, I remember at a hockey tournament, he's got a grandson that plays hockey and he's there just talking about great things and that that and it's cool that they won that and it's cool that they're being uh, honored but I, I think 
people should take a breath and say, how many times have you seen guys with 66 great cup rings around Regina? And I think that's, that's kind of the cool part. And the fact that 17 guys are coming back for this, uh, for this ceremony is also going to be nice, too, because people never forget. And it's Regina, Saskatchewan only has four great cups. So they all take even bigger significance in their lives for that 66. So it's, it's, it's a nice idea to recognize them. It's the 50th anniversary, I think, or 40th? 50th. 50th, yes. yeah. 50th, sorry. I'm showing my accounting skills there. <laughs> sorry, folks. For that. The, the worst part was is I think I actually busted on my calculator the phone to figure that out, Murray. So don't feel so bad. <laughs> well, I got it. That's good for you. Yeah, I figured I could just do it in my head. But I always, that's why we have Google, eh? Google and all that stuff. <laughs> it's magical. <laughs> Either way, Murray, we will let you go. I know you're having a nice night at home after a wet day at rider practice today. I'm still cold. I am still cold. My feet are still damp, I think. Oh, no. And I'm not very happy. So, But it's good to be on air with you guys and to share my joy. But there's no glamour to life in sports when you stand in a a cold rain for two two hours and just trying to watch a walkthrough. That 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 is the kind of practice I would not have watched. Murray, <laughs> you know what? You are one of my favorites. You're a guy I respect the hell out of. Um, where can people get more of your stuff, uh, including the football foodie? Well, the football foodie is all part of Murray, at Murray LP on Twitter. And as you can tell, the football foodie is well-fed on the road. Trying to add more solids, but... I don't know. That's only because your wife gave you crap during training camp about not eating a salad. Yeah, I know. I got busted from that one. Uh, you can also get me at, at leaderpost.com or starphoenix.com. Everything I write gets posted there. And uh, you can hear me on these wonderful podcasts like this. Just I don't know if you'll tweet this or you tweet this tonight. Is this out there? Maybe if you tweet it, I'll retweet it, and then that'll be... You know, you might get some people following you. Beautiful, Murray. Thank you so much. We are going to tweet it. We will tag you. It comes out early in the morning. Thank you, as always, my friend. Always, it's such a pleasure catching up. Sure. Anytime you guys want, just give me a call, and I'll figure out a couple of weeks to fit you in. Just get hold of my people. (laughs) (laughs) Did I go through the improper channels of texting you directly today? I didn't know there was people. No, as I told you, once I told you to stop texting me at 730 in the morning, everything's cool. Murray, thanks a lot, bud. No problem, guys. Take, you take, Bye-bye. take care. Uh, thanks again to Murray for joining the show. Uh, George Reed, uh, I love hearing the stories uh, about him. I've never had the chance to meet him. My dad uh, met him and actually got me an autograph. It's sitting on my desk. Uh, best wishes, George Reed, uh, to you know Travis. What? So Trav, I love that. Actually, I do have a George Reed story. You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was at a golf tournament, and, oh, it's a and good again, <laughs> it's it's a good one. I, I work mornings uh, here in Saskatoon, so that means my workday generally starts at four thirty. So if you're in an afternoon golf tournament, it's a bit of a long day. So I was sitting on the cart, and it was the Ryder Alumni Tournament, if I recall correctly, and it was me and three other media guys. And I happened to mention to one of the one of the media guys, I said, first off, it was like unbelievably hot. I'm like, wow. I'm like, is it ever a smoking hot day today? And then I see George Reed walk by in a sweater vest. And then, and then George Reed is in a cart maybe two ahead of us. So my voice carries, and I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I'd kill for a Red Bull. I'm so tired. George Reed turns around. Man, you got to quit your bitching. <laughs> He's like, I'm way older than you, and I'm still out here, and I'm having a good time. And, and like, of course, 
He did this with a smile. Like, that's I, the one thing I should point out. George did this with a smile, had a laugh, and I'm like, I turned to, uh, it's my friend Taylor. He works at Global Regina. I turned to Taylor and I go, did I just get called out by George Reed? He goes, yep. I'm like, I'm going to shut the front door now. Smiling or not, I love that George Reed told you to quit bitching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It I was, love it, him he, even more. <laughs> he was, and he was smiling and he was laughing. And he was, he, he turned around and he had this big ear to ear grin and he said it. And uh, yeah, it was, it, he said it was either quit your bitching or quit your belly aching or something like that, man, I'm way older than you and I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling way better. And it was, it, it was, I just, I had to laugh and I went up and shook his hand and say, Thanks, George. Thanks. I'll be a little bit more positive. And same thing. Just laugh and having a great time. And uh, yeah, just a great man, George Reed is. Anyone who tells Fraser to shut up is a hero in my book. So <laughs> thank you, George Reed. Let's get to the Fantasy Expose. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the Two and Out podcast. All right, let's start with the Bombers and uh, Tie Cats, which might just be uh, the. Uh, the the Cats giving this game away rather than the Bombers winning it. 28-24 was the final score. But uh, let's first talk about what do you think about the doubleheaders on the Thursday and uh, the, the Friday? I, I, I don't mind it. I like it. I miss Saturday football. There's nothing better, especially during the summer. You kind of need... Let's face it, if you have a Saturday night off, you're kind of looking for an event or something yeah. to kind of build your day around. I don't mind seeing weekday football. Me personally, and this is, again, only because I get up so early, I hate the doubleheaders. Even living in Saskatchewan, you know, I'm I'm going to bed during the second game of the doubleheader almost no matter what. Friday night, it's a different story. I'll watch all the way till the end. But uh, if it's drawing ratings and they, if they find it's working, I like the idea of Thursday night games. I really do. I like, you know, my preference would be, and this is, again, just a personal preference based off of entirely the hours I work and things like that. I'd love to see one one Thursday, one or two Friday, and one or two Saturday. Let's stay away from Sundays. There's no sense to play the football on the Sunday. I mean, it's even it's even the old thing. You go to a game, you know, typically you want to have the next day off uh, so you can recover from the fun you've had at the game. And if you start getting into a habit of scheduling on Sundays, well, I mean, A, those facilities are being used a lot of times on Sundays, and B, you never want to go head-to-head with the NFL. You know, again, the NFL is a a perfectly cooked steak, and we're a perfectly cooked salmon dish. They're just each their own, both tasty and delicious for your eye holes. So I love the idea of just staying away from Sundays. But I, I dislike the Thursday night doubleheaders. I mean, you're keeping people up late on a, on a work night. Uh, and again, that's just entirely my preference. But I'm sure if I was like you and I worked afternoons, I'd absolutely love them. Can we switch the steak and the salmon? And, like, I'd rather be the perfectly cooked steak. I mean. Uh, oh, that's fair. Yeah, the, I was just using the analogy. Yeah, okay. The, the NFL CF, can be the boring old chicken breast, like when I'm watching my <laughs> diet or something. <laughs> but a well, but a well cooked chicken, like it's like a chicken Caesar salad because again they don't allow celebration or anything fun or criticizing Roger Goodell. Yeah, just you know, you know, not that good. But but I mean, the banjo bowl traditionally played on a Sunday, and I choose that over uh, watching. But but see, <laughs> the, see that bugs me because the banjo bowl being traditionally played on a Sunday, and again I watch it over anything else. But I'm a guy that, and again, I've since denounced my bomber fandom. Before that, I always wanted to travel for Banjo Bowl, and how hard is it to get away? Like, now you're booking the Monday off. If that game was on a Saturday afternoon, 
I can almost drive to Winnipeg on a Friday, enjoy the game Saturday, drive back. I just love rivalry games. I mean, I want to take a bunch of them in, but now you're looking at getting into work days and things like that. Um, but that's, again, that's just me. I'm old and I'm soft and I'll admit it. Well, now the Banjo Bowl is on a Saturday this year. Which I, is I, smart to me. Yeah, I love that. I would love to be able to go to one. Uh, I've never been able to go and take lots in. Of, lots of fun. I've been to a Banjo Bowl and a Labor Day. Uh, both of them are just a, a pile of fun no matter who you're cheering for or if you're like me uh, to use the favorite line that I've learned from several of my football official friends. Um, I'm cheering for the refs. Yeah, and I, I just don't buy the, the like the CFL ratings are strong on Sundays anyway. It's just uh, I, I would rather watch Ottawa Montreal over the Rams and the Cardinals or some garbage like that. So hundred uh, hundred million percent. <laughs> but I, I would like if it was one Thursday game, two Friday games, and a Saturday game. Every week, I would be uh, okay with that as a Edmonton, well, I I, and I don't mind the Saturday doubleheaders. I I just think I think your doubleheader should be Friday and or Saturday. Yeah, and as an Eskimo season ticket holder, uh, I can't make the Thursday games this year. I'm off work at six o'clock. That's they have right. You... Two two games that start at seven this summer, and uh, I I can't make them. <laughs> no, exactly. So, just the, the reality of it. I mean, at least it's not the cluster F that is Winnipeg, and the fact that. You got to show up two hours early, and you better hope the parking rides uh, are all working in in order, so you can go and be trapped at the stadium with no way of leaving. But I, know, yeah. I, I, I digress. Speaking of the Blue Bombers, yes, uh, at the expose, uh, I went tie on Jeremiah Masley, and it cost me in DraftKings this week. His uh, surface stats: three sixty-seven, two touchdowns, looked nice, but two interceptions, uh, some fumbleitis as well for him. C.J. Gable, I think. Can we just like? Can we just rule that C.J. Gable is like? dead or something you know what i picked him in uh, DraftKings. the bombers were they they were giving up the most yards per carry by and, far yeah. by like light years like between the stats we get from brazilian tie and mark fulton i was all in on hamilton running backs and gable couldn't get and i think Derek taylor who by the way will be on the program next week uh also alluded to that and gable couldn't get anything going to me don't play him Anywhere. I wouldn't play him in long-run fantasy. I wouldn't play him in single-day fantasy. And actually, I'm going to try to trade him in our personal league um, before this airs tonight. So, hey, Travis, you want C.J. Gable? I actually might for some bye week. <laughs> you know what? Hey, let's, but, uh, let's talk off air because people don't want to hear us talk about our fantasy teams. Okay, um, like, but it, he gets 10 touches a game, and he can't do much with 10 touches. I, I think if he got but, more, but, but, but he'd be 10, able to do it. But 10 touches a game, there's a reason he's only getting 10 touches a game because he hasn't done anything. He literally has not done anything. He had eight touches this last game, 30 yards rushing. The only reason it's 30 is because he ripped off a 26-yarder thanks to a little bit of blown coverage. Like, he, he's looked terrible this year. I guess if you get seven carries uh, on the ground, I, I don't think that's going to establish. And, yes, you're, you're right. It but was Andrew, six of Andrew, them for Andrew four Harris yards. Got, Andrew Harris got – well, I mean, and Andrew Harris did get double the carries and, I mean, got almost double the yards. I mean, he looked a little more effective. But I, the thing is with C.J. Gable is typically he's also working things out of the backfield, and it's just like he's just not doing that right now. I mean, you look at Andrew Harris, you can say, okay, 13 for 63 is a little disappointing. But when the guy also grabs six, star, six catches yeah. for 41 yards, you can say, okay, right now Gable, same thing. He's never been a 100-yard kind of running back. He's been a 150 combined yards because of 75 in the air, 75 on the ground. He's just 
not doing that because, again, as long as Masoli's there, he continues to go to the veteran receivers. He continues to go to Chad Owens, who I played in DraftKings and will probably again this week as well. Uh, he continues to get targets, leads the team in targets, one of the leading league leaders in targets, actually. Five for 92 and a touchdown. Andy Fantuz, again, hit and miss if he's going to get his touchdowns, but he is going to get his catches. Uh, seven for 89. Uh, it just bugs me that they call him Andrew Fantuz on the league website. Yeah, uh, that's weird. Luke, Ta- Luke Tasker speaking Speaking of guys, uh, 8 for 91. Uh, speaking of veteran guys, I should say, we alluded to the numbers a little bit. Andrew Harris, as I mentioned, 1363 on the ground, 41 on six grabs through the air. Weston Dressler returns, doesn't do a lot, 4 for 36. Darvin Adams continues to be the number one play in Winnipeg, 4 for 68, even though Jace Davis with eight catches for 74 yards. The only receiving touchdown was the one that looked like a Madden glitch. Dude, I want to talk about that because I watched it. Probably 250 times. <laughs> I don't know how the hell it happens. I, I'm, I'm watching the game, and, I, uh, and it looked like a normal play, and then they showed it in slow motion, and I'm like, what? He, just, he literally just wedged it in there. You could try that a thousand out of a thousand times, and that ball's on the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Except this one time, it takes the weirdest pounds. And now the best thing is, if you're one of the I, – I was thinking of this. If you're one of the producers of, of Madden, <laughs> and you're sitting here, and you're going, well, I guess nobody can bitch about that glitch anymore. Yeah, so that's completely real. <laughs> this is now a real thing. Just look at the video. We're going to tweet it a whole bunch. I think Jace Davis c- continues to provide uh, some of the best value in DraftKings. He's 4300 bucks. He's getting uh, over seven targets a game. He's catching almost 82% of his balls. He's looking good. Yeah, and especially, you know what, the key to DraftKings, because you and I were having this conversation this week, that it's almost at a point that Chris Williams and or Darius Bowman are, it, you have to start them every single week. Well, and, and, dra- and this and, year, it's, it's a DraftKings paradise with Edmonton playing Winnipeg. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so for me, I just I look at these numbers, and by the way, if you're smart, there's a way to get both in your lineup with either Mike Riley or Trevor Harris at quarterback. You know what? If you DM us, I'll share my lineup. I'll share the lineup that can feature both Darius Bowman and Chris Williams, keep you under the salary cap, and have some a couple other guys that I think are going to be real high-value targets as well. So if you DM us to and out CFL, I will share my lineup with you. I've actually got uh, Bowman and Williams in my main lineup. Uh, That's because that I showed you with. how to do it. No, I texted you my lineup first. And I... <laughs> I know. It was really weird. You're like, I'll show you yours if you show me mine. And then the picture came through a couple minutes later, right as I was taking my pants off. I, I, I have no problem uh, wasting my money and losing. So, I See, mean, I, 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 there are guys like, and you know what? We'll give our our buddies, uh, Dan and Dave, at the CFL Fantasy Football uh, Podcast, uh, or Off the Ball Fantasy Football, the amount of work that they've put in. And y- you know what? Tip of my cap because they're monetizing it. You know, I think if you're a new DraftKings player, I think they're $20 for their rankings is a phenomenal value to you uh we'll give you we'll give you some advice i'm not going to drop my whole lineup though but i will you know if you listen and you listen carefully you're going to see guys i'm high on um again i'm actually you know what that edmonton winnipeg matchup i think could be an 80 point i would take the over on that because winnipeg's defense hasn't looked great and let's face it neither is edmonton's no the secondary the secondary is brutal there's no hiding that so, I mean, I'm high on Winnipeg, guys. I'm high on Edmonton, guys. And, of course, I'm always high on Chris Williams. Now, before we get into Toronto and B.C., 
Something came up today from a, a, a podcast that's in the CFL podcast family that that we associated with. You and I have both been on, and that's the BC Lions Den. Um, yeah, I and, met uh, Brian in uh, Winnipeg, had some uh, beers with him. Uh, and I've, and I've been on the pod. I, and I, it's a pod that I they do such a great job. They have players, alumni, everybody on. And today yeah. they found out that the BC Lions – are no longer going to officially support the podcast, meaning that they're no longer going to have players. I, I get my angry elk ready. Okay, the fact that you're like the fact that the CFL and all these teams necessitate need survival based on the fact that they need to get young fans in, and you're freezing out uh, a, a podcast that is well established, that is professional. This isn't like you and me showing up out of the blue saying we're starting a BC Lions podcast. By the way, give us Solomon Elamimian. No, this is a podcast that has done a ton of hard work to establish a credibility amongst the players, amongst the fans, and the only place you could find BC Lions news is that is that podcast. Because guess what? Nobody in BC media gives a <laughs> sh- about the BC Lions right now. Nobody gives a <laughs> sh- about the Lions. You can't find anything. I remember I used to have to do a pregame feature two years ago. Two years ago, before this podcast was a glimmer in your eye, Travis. And I'm trying to do pregame stuff when we had Ryder broadcast. I tried to get information on the Lions, and you can't. You go to Edmonton, you go to Calgary, you go anywhere else in the media. You can't find good information. The only place you can find good Lions information is the BC Lions Den. And to hear that because they're critical of the way that the team is marketing themselves, because let's face it, David Braley's never completely f***ed up a team's marketing before that they're pulling their endorsement of one of their best sources of fandom? Like, are you f***ing kidding me? That is that Okay. I've seen some dumb marketing decisions in my time. I dabble in marketing a little bit myself. This might take the cake for the dumbest of the year. I don't... You know what? From now on, I don't want to talk about BC Lions home games. I don't want to talk about what they're promoting. I don't want to talk about their players. I don't want to talk about a single damn thing about the BC Lions till they get their heads out of their asses and, and reestablish that contact with the BC Lions then. They don't deserve the time on the air for screwing over their best source of information and their best connection to the fans. So saying that, here's what I'm going to tell you. And I'm just, you know what? Because I know we have a lot of fantasy football followers. Don't start their quarterbacks. Unless it's a team quarterback situation. Stay away from them. They suck. Anthony Allen, buy low on him. He's okay. The receivers hit and miss. Sean Gore's a good value buy. That's all I'm going to say. Because we're obliged to do that. Because we have listeners that play daily fantasy. Don't start Jennings. Don't start Lule. Start Allen. That's it. And the Manny show. I don't, I don't want to give them any more. Until if they come back and say that, the, that this has been a misunderstanding. Or if it comes out that... Something that again, we're just finding this out. If be if if something happened that we're not told about that we don't know about, I will formally stand up and apologize to the BC Lions organization. But until then, you will not hear Lions news on this podcast. You will hear their fantasy stats. That's it. They could give away cupcakes and beer for free at every home game. You won't hear a damn bit of it here from now on. It sucks because uh, Brian uh, puts so much work into his website, bclionsden.ca. It's the only place to find decent Lions information. Yeah, we don't know if his podcast is going to continue. I, I, it's one thing to uh, get ignored by a team. It's another to have them tell you that we're not going to support you. Well, well to, pull, to pull the support, because let's face it, most of us, our podcasts, 
don't have team endorsements, and it's a little hard to get players. That's why yeah. more often than not, we have ex-players, we have media. Again, we're an overreaching podcast. I know the CF, the, the, the Horseman podcast, they get players in a similar situation with BC Lions. And I know the, the Eskimo Empire has approached players privately to get their players on there. because They usually get alumni, yeah. They get alumni because a lot of these teams have a no-podcast policy and that's fine because every I've seen it I saw it with a rush this year every Tom Dick and Harry with a blog or a podcast started showing up in that press box to get themselves free into rush games that quickly stopped in an awful hurry you know it's it's the same thing I, I I don't we have connections with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders I don't know if we could get a Rough Riders player on the podcast I would love to I really would but that's why we've just stayed out of that realm. I know the Toronto Argonauts have been very forthcoming in giving guys, you know, and most other teams. I mean, let's not say, okay, we're open to podcasts, but by the way, give the middle finger to your biggest supporter, your biggest podcast, a guy who's a season ticket holder. At the very least, he's a season ticket holder. Give him a guy a month. Like, what What? What does it, like, I've, I've listened to BC Lions, then it's not like it's one of these podcasts where it, you, you get booked as an interviewee and you're on the damn podcast for an hour. It's wham, bam, here's some information, here's a player, this is what the fans want to hear, and boom, done. It's, <laughs> I, I I saw this, I'm fired up, I am fired, this, this might be, since, since, okay, this might be my third angriest I've been. <laughs> Behind the bombers hitting, between me abandoning my bomber fandom, and the CFL stats debacle, that and the Kendall Lawrence thing. Um, I've been an angry man this year. Yeah, no, this year, come on, man. Like, I, I don't get it. They have uh, just under 19,000 in the stands, and you're Announced. not trying. Yeah, and you're not trying to accept uh, all that extra uh, promotion that you can get. I, I don't really get it. So let's just talk about you, you're, you're You're getting outdrawn by a 17th tier professional soccer team. Yeah, I. Let's let's just talk about the Argos. Who, okay, we'll uh, talk, talk about the Argos. Tailgating, still awesome. Go go to BMO Field. Go tailgating because it's awesome. And the home games are an experience, and they don't job their biggest supporters over. Um, what do you now, think about uh, Ricky Ray this coming week against the Ottawa Red Blacks? Uh, I guess he's my only quarterback is- in one of my leagues. Well, I... I, I I see improvement from him every game, and I think this Ottawa game could be a shootout. And I, uh, oh, I think it, I think it will be a shootout. I just I'm I'm a little I shouldn't say I'm low on Ricky Ray. I'm nervous. I think I don't think it's a bad start in, in like season long fantasy. I think in daily fantasy you're taking a gamble only because I think that Red Blacks defense is is pretty okay. I think it is going to be a shootout, uh, but if it's not, if he goes back to looking like kind of like he did against, I, he didn't impress me against Saskatchewan. I didn't see a lot of this game, but he didn't look like the Ricky Ray of old. But you are right; he is improving. Um, if you if you want to load up on receivers, he's not a bad value buy at, at at quarterback. He's not going for the highest, but I don't think he's a sure thing. Uh, Brandon Whitaker, speaking of guys with a week by week improvement, wasn't it just two weeks ago we were saying that this guy was done? Now he goes thirteen for ninety seven on the ground, seven for fifty five through the air. Um, he's quickly working his way back up my list of guys to possibly start. Andre Dury five for fifty seven, uh, Vidal Hazelton three for sixty one, and Tony. Tony Gurley, you know, we were talking about last week, Travis, how maybe it was Hazleton taking over as the number one target for Ray. Uh, Tory Gurley has a nice game, 97 and a touchdown. Whitaker's interesting to watch. He's uh, getting just under 14 touches uh, a game on average, and he did have a rough 
first game where it went in one yard. So yeah, uh, it, was, it was something ugly. If, if we erase that, he's actually having a pretty good uh, start to the season, and uh, I'm sure that they've seen that. Hey, uh, let's get him more involved. And uh, Andre Dury actually uh, was getting involved last game uh, as well. So hopefully he keeps getting involved. Just a note as far as the Argos depth chart goes: Phil Bates gets the start, and he played late last year and had a pretty good game. If he can uh, build a repertoire, or a rapport, I'm not good on my friend's slang, with uh, with Ricky Ray, he might have a good game, and he is cheap on uh, DraftKings. Uh, Argos win that game 25-14. Now let's talk about Friday Night Football. Oh, man. After this doubleheader, I was fired up. So let, let's, let's go through these games uh, fast. Uh, we... Nicholas Grigs- Grigsby gets to start, and that's weird to see. It's Nick Grigsby. Uh, I know. I, that's another one. Like, Andrew Fan, too. It's just a little weird. Um, he fumbles it or, <laughs> right yeah. right on the goal line, which, again, probably cost me more points in Daily Fantasy. Um, but it, Both teams were trying to lose. It's Yeah, it, it's almost like that. But, again, it's just <laughs> what I love. Okay, first off. Those were the showcase of exactly what the CFL should be on both those games. Oh, yeah. Additionally, Chris Williams is absolutely bananas. He is expensive as all hell in Daily Fantasy, but until he slows down, you almost have to pay that charge just to get in the game every single week. 10 for 130 and three touchdowns. Greg Ellison, he was up next. 9 for 101. The only thing that held him back a little bit was uh, no touchdowns as well. Trevor Harris is... What happens when Harry Burris comes back, Trav? Oh, man. I you think you, gotta, have, you to have to stick, stick with Harris. Harris by this point. If he continues to play like this, you have and he to will. stick with him. He's, to me, he's a great quarterback. Three for three touchdowns, 396 yards, uh, interception. Of course, the final score is like drinking lukewarm coffee, but the way they got there was absolutely fantastic. Bo Levi Mitchell having his most Bo Levi game of the year to me. 368, two touchdowns. Jerome Messam continues to be... A little bit of a disappointment to me. Yeah. Uh, he did have a receiving touchdown, uh, so he still kind of saved his day. Joe West came out of nowhere. See, that's the thing that almost drives a guy a little batty with the Calgary Stampeders is it seems like a different guy always steps up every week. Uh, Joe West, 6 for 99. 5 for 89 of Bakari Grant. Markway McDaniel, 6 for 70 and a touchdown. His first big game of the year. But, man, you're right. Like Just, just a great, great game there between Calgary and Ottawa. Keep watching Bakari Grant. He got his first start there. I don't know. Uh, Dickinson seems to say that it's a week-to-week thing between him and uh, Kamar Jordan, so keep an eye on that situation. Is it the former quarterbacks that don't know how to use running backs? Uh, uh, Dave Dickinson and Kent Austin come to mind who don't really have much of a running game. But, I mean, other than that, uh, Jason Moss has a good running game in Edmonton. There's a lot of former quarterbacks killing a lot of plays. It's it's yeah. just it's. I think it's again. It's the continued, uh, the way the game is evolving. Like you're seeing, like Jerome Messam has never been a pass catching back. No, he's now getting involved with targets and, and catches in in Calgary. I think it's just. I, I think just a lot of players are fine. Uh, teams are finding the benefit of of getting the ball to that guy. So it ends in a 26-26 tie. And, of course, we talked about it at length. In, in terms of the game, talked about it at length with Murray McCormick. So we'll just go over the stats really, really quick. Uh, Mike Riley murdered me with four touchdown passes, 378 yards uh, to 
one interception. Adarius Bowman also a three-touchdown game, six for 141. Chris gets left with the other receiving touchdown there. Uh, Darian Durant uh, has his best game since coming back. I'm high on Durant for the rest of the year. Uh, he's he's going a little, just a touch lower than the other quarterbacks right now. 317, four touchdowns. Curtis Steele, eight for 47. And again, uh, Ricky Collins, who I honestly... I had him in my starting lineup for DraftKings. I did. swear. I swear I did. And I pulled him out when I thought the weather was going to be bad, and I regretted it. Six for 115, a touchdown, Shabbat Chambers. See, Chambers is a guy. Durant seems to like him. I want to see if this continues. It was interesting to me that I thought, you know, Rob Bag would be high on the catches. But no, it's yeah. just Shamad Chambers. Durant seems to be looking for him a lot. Uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. Rob Bag is uh, as well. So we talked about that game a lot. But yeah, what a great night of football. John White uh, leads the league in uh, touches for players that have played uh, more than one game. And uh, I really like if you, if you're looking for a team or players to go with this week. I like Eskimos against uh, uh, Winnipeg uh, this week, and I like Bombers against uh, Eskimos uh, this week. So (laughs) Stack both those teams, you will be rewarded. Uh, I think it will be uh, a fun one. As for this game, I sent out a tweet afterwards basically saying, uh, if if you still crap on the CFL after that night of Friday Night Football, you are a (laughs) doorknob. I mean... (laughs) comes out for Travis. <laughs> well, I didn't tweet that, but I said it now. Like that game had everything, and, and if you didn't like it or you you found problems with it, you are just an idiot. You are or you're, dense or you're a troll. and close-minded. That's that's here to just you're a troll to hear that's yeah. just to irritate all of us. Travis, I like the fact that the angry elk finally got used on you. <laughs> Well, and I have to say, I don't think my heartbeat has come down after that game. I was watching with my wife, and it was just such an amazing moment. My wife had a, I want to talk about like the whole day, like taking the train to the game. Uh, well, actually driving to Edmonton, there was reports of hail at Commonwealth Stadium. So I'm like, oh, we're going to have a great time. And it was funny because on the train, there was this guy like, there's going to be like 27,000 people there because the CFL sucks. They never get more than 30. And, and he was drunk and he was... I'm like, why? Part of me is thinking, like, why the hell are you going to the game? And then he asked me, <laughs> then he asked me uh, how many people are going to be at the game, and I said, uh, probably thirty four thousand and change. Yep. And he said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like twenty five thousand. It looks like it's gonna rain. And I'm like, well, how are we gonna know? Because I'm not giving you my number. He's like. Well, no. And then uh, the attendance was announced, uh, 34196 There was a $110,000.50-50. Wow. Uh, a- after the game, my, my wife was so excited. She, all the way back to Red Deer, she wanted to learn about all the positions in football. And uh, so, so she's asking me <laughs> defensive linemen, linebackers, cornerbacks, halfbacks, safeties. And I was giving her the football one-on-one. And it was just such an awesome game. I got back at 3 a.m. I had to work at 8 the next Next morning, and I didn't care. That that's that's awesome. That's what CFL football is all about. I think and I'm finally calming down. I, it sounds like it. Well, you dropped your first angry elf in two and out history, so we're going to give you a couple minutes to calm down. Let's get into the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. <laughs> All right, we start uh, Wednesday night football, man. Uh, Argos, BMO Field, home to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Who are you going with here? 
I am going with the Ottawa Red Blacks, but I think that one's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'm not as sure it's going to be high scoring as the other one, but uh, as the other game we've alluded to, Winnipeg and Edmonton. But I think, you know, you're a safe bet playing the Red Blacks. I think it'll be a good night for football. Wednesday night's a little weird. Red Blacks coming off of uh, only five days of rest. So, you know what? I still like the Red Blacks, though. I think that Harris to Williams combination is not slowing down. I am actually so having a hard time uh, with this one. Both defenses. Oh, I flipped are- a coin. Yeah, they're they're fourth and uh, fifth uh, respectively, or fifth and sixth respectively, as far as yards allowed uh, per game. And and the, I'm going Argos. Uh, they're at home. Uh, I'm going the Argos uh, here at this one. I think they want redemption off of that home opener. They had a long trip. Uh, to Regina, they won. Uh, they stayed in Regina, practiced there, went to BC, and won. I think coming you back mean, home... You mean the team that shall not be named? Yes, the team that shall not be named. The BC professional football team. I like uh, it. I and, like uh, it. <laughs> they won there. I think they come home and they win, so I guess i got to play a mismatch of... Uh, oh, oh, Alanis and the Poor Young Things. Let's uh, keep going. Thursday night football. Edmonton is in Winnipeg. The Bombers looking for their uh, um, looking to move to five hundred on the year, and uh, the Eskimos looking to avoid having a losing record. Who do you got? Play me some BTO, dude. I'm going Winnipeg as well. What? I... Okay, that means they're going to lose now because we're actually picking them. <laughs> I oh I I don't know. I got I had this gut feeling about Winnipeg last week. Uh, you asked me if I was on glue, and it turned out to be right. I uh, aggressively asked you if you were on glue several times. Let's <laughs> let's clear that up. It got ish got real. <laughs> I'm going bombers. I think they take care of business this week. Friday Night Football, Alouette's home to the Tiger Cats. Caleros is not back for this game. I think this game's a crapshoot. Who do you have? You know what? I just I I think the Ty Cats are healthier. I don't know who the hell I believe. Uh, I'm actually on the Alouettes practice roster now, uh, and I've never played organized football. And when I've played flag football, I've been a quarterback. Uh, so I believe I'm on their practice roster as a receiver. They're hurting at that position. Kevin Glenn looks like he's out. I don't think Raheem Cato gets the job done against the Tabbies. Play my play my favorite CFL based song, man. Feels like- And there are uh, three receivers you need to watch in Montreal. Uh, Now, a couple could be a home run on DraftKings this week. They could be a bust, but they're both right around $3,000, so they cost you nothing. If you want Bowman and Williams in the same lineup, you're just going to have to live with it. Uh, But Chandler Jones, 
B.J. Cunningham, uh, he's a little bit more pricey. He might actually be the number one target with Deron Carter while he out this week because he's still appealing, but he's got the... Well, Pop says he might have a concussion. Carter says he doesn't. I don't know what's going on. And then uh, Corbin Lauchs is another guy to watch at receiver for Montreal as well. couple long shots. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this older on Carter situation. I'm staying away from it myself. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Tabbies are going to win fairly easily. That brings us to the last game of the night. All right, the last game. Riders home to the professional football team out of British Columbia. Who do you choose? Let, you know what? I, I agree with Murray. I think we're going to start to see the riders continue to improve. I think it's time for some sheepdogs, Trav. I agree. I'm picking riders in uh, this one, paying tribute to the 1966 Grey Cup team. I am going to sheepdogs. And let's hope that George Reed doesn't see me and tells me to not be such a whip. <laughs> that does it. It's episode 43 of the Two and Out CFL podcast, cflpass.ca, if you want all your depth charts and injury notes for week three in the CFL. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, Two and Out CFL, and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We will talk to you next week.